more of the monocles right after this. Emmy salsa ahi? Ahi. Ahi. Uh-huh. 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 Wow. Oh. Awesome hot chip. <laughs> Get it at 443-742-2134. Now, back to the monocles on soflowradio.net.com. now for something a little different. The Monocle started out as a written blog, created to chronicle and give purpose to a sudden abundance of time. With a laptop and a curious mind, a new task was assigned. It was a personal one, to find fulfillment, to be happy every day. The Monocles allows for an expansion of knowledge and healing through stories and laughter. In the Monocles, there's joy in examining and discovering. The Monocles will share the stories about the many people, places, and comminglings that have appeared along this path through a blog and an intention. Alchemy is real. Words, written or spoken, have power and heal. Smile! This is Miami. The opinions and views expressed on the Monocles are not necessarily those of the host, the SoFlow Radio Network, or its sponsors. In this medium, we can do what we want.
Today, I would like to welcome Marsha Danzing, the founder of Y4A Beauties to the Monocles. Hi, Marsha. Hello, Monica. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. My pleasure. Um, I, I am very interested in being educated mm-hmm. in yoga for amputees. Mm. Only in one instance in my many years of teaching did I have someone in my classes um, uh, who was an amputee. Mm-hmm. He was a young gentleman. Mm-hmm. And I, um, he was fantastic. And I always start my classes by asking who has an injury or what I can do to help people. Mm-hmm. And when I noticed, I noticed he was in the back of the room. And before I even started my class, I did ask him if there was anything that he needed from me or if I could help him in any way. Mm-hmm. And then I did not ask that question out loud. Yeah. And I was, I was nervous because I, I didn't want to, mm-hmm. um, make him feel different Mm -hmm. um but I also Mm -hmm. didn't want him to know that he wasn't seen Mm -hmm. yep yep and I'm totally ignorant when it comes to this because um yeah it hasn't been my experience but I do um acknowledge and love the fact that there are people like you with um, your book and your training and um, your story to be a- able to educate the general public and myself sure. and teachers yes. on what's, you know, what's the best thing to do? How sure. do we do this? So um, a really simple question I would ask is when you ask about injuries, et cetera, are you standing in the front of the room and asking in general to the whole group? Um, typically, yes. If I've had the opportunity to um, greet and speak to each person as they come into the class, sometimes mm-hmm. I have that option. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'll ask them then. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll say, you know, if it's not something for everyone to hear, let me know. I'll try to make it not so um, broadcasty like. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I also feel it's really important to ask that sometimes people don't ask yeah I I think it's important I I guess it depends on how many people are in your class too so if you're teaching to a large group of people it's hard to do this but I I I call it the schmooze the yoga schmooze and I squat down and literally say hello to every person Mm -hmm. and real casually ask because some people you know just don't really want to pronounce (laughs) <laughs> what's going on. Sure. Um, and sometimes, you know, there, there's a really interesting dynamic. And I think for anybody who has a disability, there, there's so many layers to it where some people don't want to be um, even put into that camp or other people are very proud to have their disability and sometimes even show it off and say, look what I can do, you know. So it all depends. Like your identity as an amputee could be tied to your amputation or it could be something that quote, doesn't define you in, in that person's mind. So it's always, um, I find it for me, if I could just get to everybody, that's the best scenario. Um, mm-hmm. so that I'm not 
having to say it in the front of the room because I know for me as an amputee, I usually don't announce it um, because then it, for me, I feel like it leads to a story, if you know what I mean, either in my own head or in the teacher's head or people looking around at me. Um, right. So some, some form of judgment happening as well. Yeah. Or um, just being a little too visible, you know, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of curiosity and then people are trying to do their own practice. And a lot of people are just really curious at the same time. So um, I have found for me, it's best to just do one-on-one if I can. Um, that way it's, it, yeah. Um, and then people might tell you more anyway, too. You know, um, that's been my experience. But, you know, again, Monica, I'm mostly working with amputees. So it's like, <laughs> it's not something I really have to ask. Well, <laughs> in, in the case of the student that I had, it was, it was obvious, right? It yeah. was, it was mm-hmm. you know, it was part of his arm, most of his arm. Yeah. Um, you yeah. lost your lower part of your leg from the knee down, but you do have your knee. Mm-hmm. And um, if you don't mind me asking, you wear your um, prosthesis in the class, and I would assume you'd wear, like, long leggings, so someone might not even know that um, there's some some sort of disability with you at all? Or is, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends. So it depends on the prosthetic. So, um prosthetics actually get dirty. (laughs) So it's pretty noticeable if you have one for a long time that it's, it's just like stained. So it's kind of, if you're, if you happen to be looking at somebody's feet, you're going to notice like what is up with that person's foot. It's really dirty. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I see a lot of dirty feet as well. Yeah, true. As but especially teacher, the other like, foot, yeah. If the other whoa. foot isn't, you know, if they're not a double amputee, um, they're going to be like, what the heck? But um, other than that, and then and then also just some things where my knee in particular with the prosthesis doesn't bend as deeply as it used to um, because I did injure something years ago in a yoga pose. So, mm-hmm. um, and I have a different prosthesis than I used to. Um so it all, it all depends. I mean, when I did my yoga training, they joked with me, but I didn't even think about it, but I had a very different prosthesis then. And, um, I had what was called a skin cover. It was almost like a sock that I okay. slipped on and, you know, we're talking 1998. So it was a lot, it was a while ago and prosthetics keep changing. Um, mm-hmm. but by the end of the yoga training, it was, it was really torn up, you know, and I put band-aids on it, you know, and people were like, this is so cute that you're putting band-aids on your leg like you have a boo-boo. And I was like, <laughs> well, I didn't think about it. I was just trying to keep it all together, you know, and that's what I had. And also I thought it was the particular color matched the skin tone of the prosthesis. Got it. That was, yeah. So there was, but I wasn't, but I, in a way it was, there was quote an injury <laughs> to my leg, but <laughs> I didn't feel it. So, um, but it was noticeable. You know what I mean? It was obvious that, that there was 
there was pieces of fabric falling off my prosthetic leg and a big rip on the foot. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, un- I understand totally. And I could see where, um, someone looking at the band-aids would go what is that that doesn't make any sense but on the other hand i can just imagine how expensive these pieces of equipment are and yeah yeah it's 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 not like you're going to throw them in the washing machine and you know they're going to come out new or you're going to replace them. no no and now with you know changes in insurance i mean even then i just called my prosthetist and they said oh i need a new sock and he would order me one and i'd have it you know and it was covered by insurance. Now I have to get a doctor's order for it. And it may or may not be covered by insurance. So, wow. yeah, things are different. So why for a yoga for amputees mm-hmm. um, obviously came about through your own story. Do you want to share mm-hmm. um, how you became an amputee? I know you have an amazing story. Um, but how, you know, could you share some of it? Sure. So I, um, I'm 57 now and, uh, I had my first diagnosis of a particular kind of bone cancer called Ewing sarcoma. And actually a lot of, there are a lot of arm amputees who had Ewing sarcoma. Um, and it, it's interesting to me, um, but it's a particular kind of bone cancer that is very slow growing, but it's, it's, um, it's more aggressive in its, its death sentence, I would say, mm-hmm. than some of the quicker um, bone cancers that are still really deadly. But this one is particularly vir- virulent. And um, so in 1967, um, you know, there weren't a lot of options and I had radiation and I had a lot of chemotherapy um, and I did keep my left leg. Um, it was shorter as I grew because I was so young. I was five when it started. So with radiation, there was just a lot of growth plate issues and, you know, the it, it was in the bones. So the bones were not growing the way they should. Um, so by the time I was 12, um, the leg, the left leg, which is where I had the cancer, was significantly shorter, maybe by an inch or so. Um, and I had to wear a lift in my shoes. And um, and the cancer came back in the same location. Um, and so this time they couldn't do radiation, so they had to amputate, um, which was, it was very devastating for me because I was a ballerina and a gymnast, and so I was really an athlete, um, and uh, it just was not what I was expecting, you know, freshman year in high school. <laughs> so, right, I can imagine. So mm. it's been, you know, and then I'm not saying the drugs are any better now, but I think they have made significant changes, and you know, cancer care is still really rough, but um, it was really rough in the 60s and 70s, and I'm sure way before then, and probably even into the early 80s, just just really hard on the body. Um, so I, I recovered, but there was so much damage to my internal organs, and um, a lot of them suffered for it. So it's Is, been a long trajectory. Sure. Is that yeah. where um, you had um, issues with your kidney? 
I had issues with my kidney, my bladder stopped working when I was 19 and, you know, I can't have children. It just, it affected like so many things, um, you know, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tiny, but I'm slender Mm -hmm. and I, my, everybody else in my family is pretty tall and pretty bony, you know, big, um, and I don't look like them, so um, just have a very different body. Um, but yeah, there's just there was bladder issues, um, kidney stopped working, um, heart problems, you know. And it's it's been ongoing. It's been ongoing since the first diagnosis. But there, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones who's had. Um, I've been around long enough now that they can do longitudinal studies, which there aren't many of, um, you know, how cancer affects people long-term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> and when did yoga come into your life? Well, I started doing yoga in the early eighties um, when I lived in LA. And um, I remember a friend of mine and I, we went out to the Mojave desert and she was from Great Britain, and um, I remember she said, would you like to try a sun salutation? <laughs> I was like, whatever it is, sure. And we were on this rock in the middle of the desert, and I, it was like I had always known it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure you have those moments. I just knew what to do. It was so familiar to me, and uh, it just felt like home. And so I, I dabbled with it on and off. It wasn't easy. My prosthetics were funky in those days and cumbersome. I had a a big belt on my waistline and there was a lot of leather that I had to wear to connect straps so that the leg could stay on. And, um, you know, technology really hadn't grown with the times. Um, but I still, I still dabbled in it. And, um, when I lived in France for a year and, um, I joined this gym and they had a couple of yoga classes. And so I just, I just did them there, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, it was hilarious because my French was okay. But, you know, the teacher was like, Marcia, you really should be up in the front because you're not really understanding what I'm saying. I kept turning my head and trying to follow, but I didn't have enough um, fluency at the time. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it was a it was a really good introduction into embodiment because I didn't have all the language, you know, so I had to have the experience. Um, yeah. And the French are so inviting in, in certain ways sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I always tell this story because it, it was just so typically French. And um, there was a really sweet man who came to class all the time. And he was probably in his late seventies. And he would always say, you know, bonjour Marcia, you know, how are you? And he didn't wear a jock strap. And he wore these really short shorts and I'm not going to get into all the details, but everything was visible. And he wasn't a dirty old man. He was just, he was just French. (laughs) He was just French. And he'd be sitting there cross-legged and he'd be like, bonjour Marcia, comment vas-tu? And you know, how is your day going, my darling? And how you're so beautiful. And I'm so happy you're here. And you're so brave. And it was all this. Really, and I'd be like, trying to just look at his face, you know, and nobody in the class noticed. That's the other thing when I talk about embodiment, nobody noticed or cared, mm-hmm. you know, 
Um, it just, it just was. So um, <laughs> it was a good introduction to being back in my body. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so. That's a great story. Um, <laughs> tell me as, as a teacher, what would be something um, yoga for amputees? It would depend the class is different. It would depend on what limbs are missing. Mm-hmm. Would it depend? Like how, how do you, how does this come about? Like how, how can I teach this? How would this mm-hmm. be so different beyond the obvious? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I tell my trainees, um, my teachers um, to stay in Lila you know, Leela divine play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you come from a place of playfulness and curiosity, uh, I, there's just a lot of magic that happens because uh, there's so much adapt adaptivity that's happening. And there's so much creative thinking going on in a yoga for amputees classroom by the amputees themselves and by the teachers and I'm often co-teaching with people because there's just so many different things going on. There could be somebody in the class with all four limbs missing and they're in a mm-hmm. wheelchair. And then there's somebody who's, you know, like a Paralympic athlete and ha- is missing their leg below their knee. And, you know, so <laughs> it's um, what's bringing us all together is our common loss and therefore our common strength. So I think when you, as a teacher, I find that if you just stay in that, in those creative juices, the answers come to you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, when you get out of the way of your own fears or worries or, um, often I, I'm going to say, um, how would I say it? We've, you know, we've had people who are very quote experienced teachers have pe- been teaching a long time. Yes. Um, Maybe there are Yengar teachers where they have very strict ways of looking at how a body should work. And I think that can be a hindrance at times because it keeps you from looking at what's really happening, you know? Sure. Um, If you have an identity about what should be happening or how you envision what a body can and can't do or, you know, um, it, so I think that's why I think staying in that playful mode can be the most beneficial. And, uh, and I do it, you know, a lot of really cool answers come to me when, you know, I could have somebody in my class who has, you know, unfortunately in this, in our culture, we use the word comorbidities, right? So they could have, they could be missing three limbs because of diabetes and they also have heart disease. So I've got all these layers to think of when that person is in my class. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I get that little weird, I call it the little hit, the weird hit, you know, to try such and such a thing. I'm like, that's the one, you know, that's the one thing. And often I'll just, you know, touch a shoulder or encourage a breath and they're sobbing, you know, or they're like, this feels fantastic, you know? Um, Cause it's like, you're in the, you're in their energy field. It's, it's just, right. I don't know how else to say it. It's like a, it's like a whole vibe. <laughs> sure. Now I understand uh, my prayer before I teach is always 
that divine guide guidance to come in like step out let me step out of my own way yeah sometimes you don't know where it comes from but it comes from somewhere and makes such a difference um and people do have um these stereotypes I recently had a client after a class pull me aside and she's an older woman and said you know as one teacher I hope you don't mind but as one teacher to another like some of these people are just they're just not doing it right Uh, and and it looks it looks so bad Mm. and um you know Mm -hmm. I smiled and thanked her for her guidance her opinion but everyone has their own their own way and you know my I have my own injuries to deal with so I know that my poses don't necessarily are not textbook in some instances and you know being open to letting everybody have their journey in their own way Mm -hmm. as long as they're not hurting themselves it's 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 okay I, like, yeah, yeah. It was okay. <laughs> it's okay that you know it's not a perfect triangle. Leave them, you know. Yeah. Well, if they're in a quote perfect triangle, it, they might be under tremendous strain, and then they're not in that shiddha asana. They're not breathing easily, you know, and they're stressed, and then they might not enjoy yoga. They might not want to come back. So, <laughs> but in her <laughs> mind, exactly. But in her mind, she had just. A picture of what it should look like yeah yeah uh, you know I didn't want to tell her how imperfect her purses were right 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 yeah but I could see that frame of mind coming from um you know it's it's out there and sure sure and you know there's nothing wrong with you know thinking about good alignment and and protecting people from injury and all those things but you know there's a chapter in the book about it I say you know what is even for an amputee isn't going to necessarily look even to us. Um, but there's so many other layers going on that we might not even know about in terms of, you know, where their pubic bone is and just, just so many things happening. So. <laughs> and obviously those, are, these are right. These are things that are um, covered in your books. You've written two books from the roots, which is more of like a memoir. Mm-hmm. And um, Yoga for Amputees, The Essential Guide to Finding Wholeness After Limb Loss. So I can totally see these themes being um, discussed and touched upon. Does that book have, um, is it meant just for amputees? Is it more of a teacher's guide? Is it yeah. for everyone? It's for everyone. So that I made it kind of a little big, bigger than I thought it was going to be. But um, so there's, there's. There's practices for amputees. Um, I'm a teacher's teacher. So I, I tend to, you know, there's a lot of information for yoga teachers, yoga therapists. Um, and then there's, there's some significant information for clinical workers, you know, people that are, you know, occupational therapists, physical therapists, physicians, prosthetists. Because, mm-hmm. of course, I always want to see yoga right there at the point of limb loss and afterwards. Um, so it's, it's multidimensional in that sense, but there is something literally for everybody. So, and, and I know I've talked to teachers who've said, you know, um, like, Oh, all your YouTube videos are so helpful for me. And, 
thank you so much. And, you know, just to get ideas on uh, what do I do if such and such a person comes in my class. Um, but it's also appropriate for people who just want to practice as amputees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is nerve wracking. It is nerve wracking to have an amputee in the class. I, I know I've experienced it and it's it, almost like having a pregnant woman in the class. Like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. the alarms go off. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What do I do? And ha- what, what language should I use? Is this going to be offensive? And, um, you know, yeah, exactly what you asked. You know, without pointing a person out, how do I address this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not simple. Not simple. No. But so, yeah. But I guess but so you, be, Oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just say, you know, I try to have a person imagine, like, um, I always give the example of my father. He was very, um, how would I say it? Like, even though we were full adults, he'd still be like, be careful, be careful, you know, <laughs> about things like turning on the microwave or using a knife to cut something, you know, mm-hmm, cooking, mm-hmm. even though he never even used a knife really, <laughs> but we, you know, we've been using them since we were little kids. And, um, and so that kind of, of like, Oh, be careful. That makes, a, that makes, it made us feel really nervous. And right. Somebody's like that, then it, it actually makes you more tense. So it's kind of applies in the yoga class that if we as teachers, get like, oh my God, you know, what do I say? What do I do? I call it the tiptoe yoga, yoga teacher. <laughs> it's like, how, you know, I'm going to be so careful. And, you know, oh, um, that, that is actually really annoying for anybody, you know? Right. Um, so, you know, the best approach is like anything. If the person comes in and says, I have a knee replacement, you know, then you go, okay, so what did I learn from my yoga training and what, what's appropriate for this person? What isn't appropriate? And, and now, you know, there's, there's tools to say, okay, well, this person is an arm amputee and looks like he's got it. But, you know, now that I'm looking at this book, I feel like there might be some other things I could do to help him, you know, um, and maybe he's doing repetitive actions that are actually hindering his practice, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but, you know, a lot of, and the other layer of that is that for anybody with a disability who wants to be, quote, normal, they're going to want to be as independent as possible. I could see that. Yeah. I could feel it. Um, I was going to say the beauty of all of this is that yoga unites us and we have <laughs> yoga to, to share mm-hmm. and find that space where we can share. Yeah. Um, that yeah, that's such the important thing. And then also just these days I just say get in the pool. Mm-hmm. Come do aqua yoga, get in the pool. Yes. Because it's gonna it's gonna be a great equalizer um for many people, especially with the injury. So I can imagine also for yep. amputees. Yeah. Somebody asked about that in one of our yoga groups recently and I was saying that, you know, when you're on land as an amputee, there's just so many things that are not available to you. I, I, I guess even for anybody, but that freedom of the water. That freedom, it's, it's magical. It's, it's incredible. So, you know, it would be nice to see more to have like an, you know, like a, an aqua yoga class for amputees. I think it'd be really cool. 
<laughs> let's let's collaborate. Yeah. I would let's love do that. it. Yeah. Let's collaborate. Yeah. Give me an excuse to come to Ohio and an excuse for you to come to Florida. Well, well I'd rather come to Miami. <laughs> the pool would be a lot warmer, let me tell you. But, um, but you know, there is, there is actually even something in terms of amputees in the pool, unless there's some other health issues going on, which, you know, sometimes the pool can be dangerous, but um, the, um, some amputees, I don't know, I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm going to say a fair amount of them have a problem with overheating just mm-hmm. because, um, you know, like the, the blood flow that would normally go to a limb is not going there anymore. Um, so it's like, there's just kind of almost like an excess. Um, and so the, the pool, you talk about the pool being an equalizer, it's also a cooler downer, you know, for yeah. somebody who has that challenge. Um, and it helps with shrinkage in the um, residual limb if they're dealing with swelling. Um, and so a lot, I, I recommend it for a lot of people. I know I have lots of friends who swim as amputees. And one of the reasons is because of that, you know, that it helps to reduce the swelling. Um, Sure. I'm, I'm not a great swimmer, but I do love the water and being um, in the pool and mm-hmm. having that option of bringing the beautiful part of yoga into the water. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's so much more diverse than just doing laps. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's just yeah. how I see it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I my sister had me take this um, uh, aqua fit class it was a killer yes oh my god people think it looks easy um and oh it's gonna be easy and it is fun but it the easy was is not a word that I would always use no I I was pretty sore and this was a really she was a really good teacher um so but of course you still had that benefit of the buoyancy and the support Mm -hmm. of the water and you could go to the side if you needed to (laughs) sure (laughs) but I was like geez Louise I had no idea so Marcia tell me how um people can get in touch with you do you have any trainings coming up what what's on on board for 2020 for you and sure uh, why for a oh gosh lots of fun things so um First of all, the, it's their website. It's just yogaforamputees.com. And there's a ton of resources there. Um, and then there's a link to YouTube videos. And now we just had a, started a collaboration with an um, adaptive athletic association. And they're collaborating with an app. So now I'm having a lot of fun videotaping these Yoga for Amputees classes that, that will be on the app. Um, and there's um, a couple of things I'm going to do for January. Um, one is a 21-day yoga challenge for amputees with prosthesis. And then there's going to be one for without. Um, and then I'm really excited. This is for everybody. This is just, it's called the 30-day breathing challenges. It's a five-minute breathing challenge per day. Um, and that'll also be on this app, Burn Along. Um, and then every year we do a hundred dollar discount for our online training for our January course. So, um, hopefully there'll be people who will join me for 
um, the eight, well, it's really nine weeks uh, online and, uh, you know, join our team because we really need teachers. And, and I do get asked a lot. Um, and it is different. It's not necessarily the case that it's going to be a person who teaches a group class to amputees. It's often somebody like you who has an amputee come in uh, to their class. But what's really great about it is that you can actually put that in your bio then and say that you have a specialty in working with amputees. And that opens the door for more people to come in who mm-hmm. might not think they could beforehand. Um, so that's what's coming up. And the way I've worked the online trainings, it, I, there is a group class that meets usually on Sunday evenings um, because there's so many people from all over the world that, you know, join in and trying to collaborate with all these different time zones. Mm-hmm. But, but a lot of times the one-on-ones are really my favorite because then we just set up a time when we can both meet and it's a little more specialized. So the last one I did, um, the woman, um, it ends up, she's, she's working with the Paralympics in, uh, Colorado. So she's been working with Olympic athletes. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit more of that, but she's also Lakota. So we talked a lot about, um, rituals for amputees and creating kind of rituals for the day and, and just bringing in a lot of her traditions into classes. So it was really, it was really neat. Um, that sounds amazing. Yeah. She's, she's pretty special. Um, but so, you know, those kind of opportunities come up all the time. And then it's more like maybe, you know, you're going to all of a sudden weirdly get all these arm amputees in your classes. And you'll be like, oh, you know, I think I want to focus on arm amputees or do a consultation and find out what I can do to make it even more accessible. Marsha, I think you're very special. And I thank you so much for sharing your story, for bringing this program, for educating me and everyone and being able to share. This Mm. is this. I think this is the whole part of of the yogi, you know, community to Mm -hmm. to bring that um, awareness Mm -hmm. and educate and share Mm -hmm. and let it unite all of us. So I thank Mm. you very, very much. Oh, thank you, Monica. (laughs) It's my pleasure. And I would honestly would very much love to collaborate with you because I have a calling here in some way. I'm feeling it. Well, I'm feeling it too. I'm feeling the chill in the, the little thrill and trill in my heart. So, um, and um, yeah, so it, it would be really incredible. And another, I've thought about it. I was going to write to um, Camilla. Maybe, did you work with her too? Absolutely. I love her. Yeah. So, um, but uh, just, yeah. Um, but I think people would like to go to Miami. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just going to say that. And then I can maybe practice a little bit of my Espanol, which is like, I just say it's like 50%. <laughs> so that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> that's 100% all you need, actually. <laughs> and yeah, I'm trying to get Camilla to come down to Miami as well. So this might be a, a little uh, little treat to entice her to come. Yeah, <laughs> maybe to have like a little adaptive um, 
segment, you know, on just amputees. And that's kind of what I'm thinking. That's what's been happening is it's more like, you know, add this as an addendum specific, Sure, you know, I just, yeah, yeah. I could, I could totally see it, honestly. And um, just from my one experience and, you know, my kind of deer and headlights moment, because I really, I didn't know I wasn't, I've Mm -hmm. never faced this before. Mm -hmm. And I was so grateful that this person was so independent and so totally obviously not his first time at a yoga studio yeah yeah it almost Um, sounds like he was um congenital just just i'm just curious but yeah just the way you're describing that maybe it's he's been living with this a really long time (laughs) yeah he knew what to do and Mm -hmm. i was like okay (laughs) hey they're like yeah yeah Uh (laughs) yeah yep but not everybody, and that's a different kind of class, too. Not everybody's going to be that person. So, right. Yeah. Total warrior. Total yep. warrior. Yep, yep. <laughs> that's how I train those people, but the people that come to me are usually pretty acute. So um, it's a different scenario. Um, mm. <laughs> so the water might be a little easier for them, too. <laughs> the water's a great equal magical equalizer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Food for oh. thought. Something. Something. Another project for 2020. I would love that. Yeah. I, I would as time. well. <laughs> Yay! All right, Monica. <laughs> Thank you, Marsha. Thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your day and happy holidays. To you as well. To you as well. I appreciate <laughs> okay. it very much. Okay. Ciao. Bye-bye. Take care. Ciao. Bye. <laughs> Come to chest height water in the pool, arms distance away from the wall, and allow your hands to rest on the pool deck. Line up your feet underneath your hip bones. Feet are parallel to each other, especially through the heel. Lift all 10 toes, you're gonna feel your body shift back, lower your toes, ground down through your feet, lengthen. Feel the buoyancy of the water lifting you. Relax the shoulders and breathe in and out through your nose, please. Because we're in the water, take a jump, feet wider than your hips flat on the pool floor. Push the small of your back towards the middle of the pool, away from the wall, and feel your whole torso lengthen. Arms are straight, pushing the wall away. They're active. Relax the shoulders. Hold and breathe. Take a jump back to standing 
and then step up onto your tippy toes and walk your feet back, 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 back. Arms are straight, plank pose. Push the wall away with your arms, engage them. Front of your body is the same length as the back of your body. Drop your hips slightly. Lift one leg. Allow your elbows to bend towards the floor. Forearms come up against the pool wall as your chest comes towards the pool wall. Drag that one foot behind you. Drop the leg that's floating up. And then push the wall away. And then the opposite leg floats up. Bend the elbows towards the wall. Chest comes to the wall. Leg that's floating drops to meet the leg on the pool floor. Toes are together. Squeeze your glutes. Let your heart float up and throw your head back. Breathe in and out through your nose. Then push the wall away again. Jump feet wider. Let your feet be in line with your hips as you're reaching for the wall but pushing it away. Hold and breathe. And then jump your feet together, finding your standing pose, lengthening through your spine, hands on deck. Today, like every other day, we wake up empty and frightened. Don't open the door to the study and begin reading. Take down a musical instrument. Let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. is recorded live each week from the SoFlo Radio Studios in Hollywood, Florida. Written and produced by Monica Uribe. Directed by Christopher Hudspeth. With special thank you to George Rodriguez. All rights reserved. Hello? Hi, Ashley. Hi, Monica. How are you? I'm so happy to have... Well, thank you, and I'm so happy to have you on the monocles as my first guest of 2020. 
Wow, thank you. I'm the first guest of 2020. That's amazing. What's such a big honor? <laughs> no, it is. That really is amazing. I'm so happy to have you on here. Ashley Eisenberg, yoga teacher in South Florida, based at North Palm Beach, correct? Yes. And she specializes in uh, vinyasa style yoga with some yin and some restorative. And I'm so excited. New York finds New York and it's always cool people. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) That come together. Ashley, tell me a little bit about your yoga journey, how you came to be a yoga teacher, what drew you to yoga, and really what drew you to the style that you are practicing and teaching now? Okay, great. So great question. You can hear me okay, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, great. Um, So uh, I started out probably about six years ago now. And I was in college and I had never tried yoga before. And my mom, who had never tried yoga before, said to me, have you ever tried yoga? <laughs> and and um, I was like, no, Ma, you know, what, what, um, what makes you say that? And she's like, well, you know, I've been seeing different um, articles and I've been doing some research on it. And she said, I, maybe you should try it. It could be really relaxing. It could be a really good thing. Um, so going forward, I went to my very first yoga class, which was a hot yoga class, and I had no idea what to expect. And um, it was an Ashtanga yoga practice, which doesn't have music. It was a a hot practice. And um, I fell in love. Like the first time I did it, I said to myself, I walked out of the studio and I was like, wow, I feel really good. My mind feels very relaxed. I felt at ease. Um, And after that, I remember I I got a special. It was like a week unlimited. And I went like every day and, um, it kept me coming back. There was something about it that kept me coming back because it was one of the only things that I could entertain without feeling, you know, like this is a real workout and an intimidating feeling. Um, working out for me is not so much my thing. I, I like to be active, but it's not really my thing. Um, so yoga kind of, my body in a way that, um, you know, you can't do else elsewhere else wise. So I started when I was in college, like I said, and from then it just kind of grew. I started to go to yoga practices every week. And at the time when I was in college, I was hosting a karaoke show, which was amazing and so much fun. Um, it It was, sounds like so much fun. It was, it was amazing. It was very thrilling. It was at, um, a place where it just felt like home. Everybody knew your name and you walked in and you were, would have the best time of your life. It was like a party, uh, and so much fun. And anyway, it was a great time in my life. However, it was very late nights and, um, I kind of, a lot of drinking. Yeah, there was, of course. Yeah, of course there was cocktails and everybody knew you and you knew you were in a good space. And I was very grateful for the opportunity to be where I was. Um, but after a while it it kind of got to be like, 
you know, this is not what I want to do forever. Um, it's something that I'll always be interested in, but it wasn't something I wanted to do forever. So I wanted to trade my late nights for early mornings. And I was going through a situation um, that was very difficult um, relationship wise at the time. It was one of the most beautiful relationships I've ever had and also one of the most difficult times in my life. But I think love can do that to you um, or bring about uh, difficult times in your life sometimes. And um, yoga teacher training found me during that time. And I just decided that I wanted to become a teacher because I wanted to share this practice with people. I wanted people to from my perspective, be able to be guided into the place that I was guided into in such a positive way. So that's where it started for me. And it kind of bloomed and blossomed from that point on after I got certified after several months of training. And um, I started teaching right after I got my certification. And um, shortly after that, just started hosting events um, along the coast of Florida. And it changed my life ever since. I, that's beautiful. We have so many things in common. My, we're both from New York. My first yoga class ever was an Ashtanga class. Oh, really? <laughs> and actually, yes, really. And actually, I have like this fantasy of singing karaoke. Um, I don't do it often. I think maybe I've done it once in my lifetime. And somewhere inside of me, my, I want to open up my fifth chakra, but maybe after a couple of shots. I don't do it often, but I always, I'm like, let's do karaoke. And then I'm the never up there participating. So it's so funny how, you know. Well, I'll get you to do it. Yay. Please do. Okay. It brings people together. And it's, I've never, um, um, I've never been disappointed and find that the people that I gravitate towards or we come together for whatever reason, there's always more to it. There's more about it and discovering these things. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, that makes sense. Of course, she's from New York. That makes sense. And it's just so funny how yoga can do that. So how long have you been teaching, Ashley? Yeah, that's very true what you were just saying. Um, I've been teaching for three years now. And, um, I've had so many experiences, um, and you're doing super time, right? I do. I'm a full-time yoga teacher. And when I first got certified, everybody or a lot of people, I want to say, um, were like, how are you going to be a full-time yoga teacher? It seems impossible. And to my, I thought to myself, it may be impossible, but I feel like sometimes when people say something like that to you, it makes you want to prove them wrong. Not in a competitive way, not in any kind of way. It just um, makes you want to be that person that does something different. And it fuels you. It what? It fuels you. It Correct. Fuels Correct. And um, I do do it full time. For me, is it a hustle? Absolutely. Um, is it time consuming? Yes. But I feel like the reward of being a full-time yoga teacher is just, um, it's really limitless, I feel. Right. There's a different, I try to tell people, there's a different account that I'm filling. Um, and it's not necessarily always my bank account that gets filled, but there's that, maybe it's more co- 
karma account or maybe there's more of a joy of self-fulfillment when class ends and I look at the participants, my clients, and I see and can totally see a relaxed face. Um, there's something about someone after a yoga class that fills me personally. Like I said, it's not necessarily my bank account. I get the same, same sensation, whether there's 15 people in the class or just two. Um, and I don't know, there's something very deep about that fulfilling in a way that maybe only another yoga teacher. Can. Yeah. And I totally agree. I completely agree with that. And there are some times where I think in everybody's life, no matter what your profession is, no matter what you do, there are times in your life where you are working or teaching or whatever it is that you do and you um, become complacent. And it could happen as soon as you jump into your profession or like years down the road. And there was a time where I was feeling that recently and I was sitting and teaching and I was feeling like complacent. Um, this was obviously for a very short period of time. I was feeling this way and I looked around and everybody was in Shavasana, you know, the, the ending, uh, closing sequence. And I looked around and I said, you know what? You have to fall in love with what you do all over again every time you do it. And looking around at everybody being in such a state of bliss made me fall in love with what I do all over again. And to me, that's priceless. So I totally agree with what you say where it might not be, you know, completely filling my bank account, which, you know, I'm not saying that is the case, but um, I'd rather be doing something that I love than be unhappy doing something that I don't. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and that comes through, that'll come through in your class, it'll come through in your clients, and you'll, it's just, it's obvious, it's like, it's, it's not faking, there, there's no faking um, in a bad class, you know, as a teacher, I think you connect with so many people, and if you're not connecting with them, you'll know it just from how few people will come to your class. Right, Exactly. So tell me what style um, you particularly like to teach. So it's funny because um, when I first started, like I said, my first class was an Ashtanga class. And that's very much like a, to me, um, a power vinyasa type class. And when I first started, my mentality was if I don't go fast and I don't sweat and I don't have a workout, uh, you know, what's the point of this? And probably about a year later, I realized when I, when I was going through my teacher training, so maybe not a year later, a couple of years later, um, I realized that it was quite the opposite. So I, I do teach uh, vinyasa flow. I, I really like a gentle vinyasa flow so people can connect with their bodies and their minds and their hearts um, in a slower way so that they can feel those sensations and feel the things going on in their body. But I really particularly like yin and restorative practices, um, which really allows you to slow down and has so many benefits. So I can teach and I do teach and guide practices anywhere from a power flow to a gentle flow 
all the way to a restorative practice that is extremely slow and minimal movement. Um, I'd like to maybe if you could define in your own view of vinyasa, like as yoga teachers, we talk about these terms and these different styles of yoga. A lot of times they overlap. Um, I know my class is a hodgepodge of everything that I've taken and my interests, but for the common person, you know, some people will say, oh, I do yoga and I'll say, well, what kind? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I go to, you know, LA fitness and whatever. I don't know right. what style. So how would you define a vinyasa flow? How would you do that to someone? Um, for somebody that's never practiced yoga or somebody like you said that just goes and really is unsure of the style that they're practicing, I would say a vinyasa flow is a dynamic movement of your body and it syncs mind, body, and breath. Um, it's a, a space, especially in vinyasa, because we're moving, we're being guided through sun salutations and different postures that are either familiar to us or maybe unfamiliar um, it's a dynamic flow of movement and, um, you know, it gives you a space to any yoga practice gives you a space to be on your mat and to, it's a work in versus a workout. Oh, that's a good way to put it. I like that. Yeah, I would say for sure. And I always say, you know, as long as you're breathing, you're doing yoga. If you come into, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself, but my practice, when I guide a practice, I always tell people who are coming in who have taken my class a hundred times or it's their first time, I'll say, you know, if you want to come in here, even if the title of the class is a vinyasa flow, if you want to come in, and you just want to lie on your mat today and you just want to breathe, that's exactly what you do. And that's what yoga is about. I think taking what you need and leaving behind what you don't, you know, the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions um, that aren't serving you in a positive way. Um, I think yoga creates a space for us to do that. I mean, myself included when I practice. So, um, yeah, but as far as vinyasa, it's definitely a movement-based uh, practice and sinking um, breath with movement, which is dynamic. Gotcha. I, um, it's funny that you say if you just want to sit. I have a client that comes <laughs> as a family to my, one of my weekly classes, and um, my client has two children. One's into the yoga. The other one isn't the one who isn't is a boy and by her definition he has ADD mm -hmm. and he came in one day and said I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit here I said please do you it's your practice you can do you can do that right and I said you know what I'll dare you if you stay in child's pose, I dare you can't stay in that pose for the whole class and of course <laughs> he took up that challenge and he did really really well for most of the class as for anyone it's so difficult and the mom couldn't understand I said you don't know how difficult it is to stay in just one pose even as an adult and not having ADD and I normally will say I'll buy you dinner but I thought he'd take me up on it so I didn't say that to him right yeah <laughs> he's really cute and bright but every time he comes and um, he's he's changed his position a couple of times, 
but his practice has really grown and expanded as opposed to being disruptive and bothering his mom. He now takes on these poses. He knows Savasana. He knows child's pose, a couple of warriors. He might get into that, but pretty much he'll stay close to the mat. And I'm I'm so proud of him because I know how hard that is. That's so difficult. It is. He took me up on the challenge. So it's, it was a good, it's a good growth and it's a good, and of course they keep coming back, which makes me feel good. So it's interesting to challenge someone to not move. Yeah. And I always say like, sometimes it's harder to be still than it is to move quickly because when we're moving quickly, you know, maybe in like a power vinyasa class or even just a vinyasa class, it's, um, it's sometimes difficult, you know, to be still because our monkey mind, it just keeps going and we keep thinking of things and it's hard to get into that space of, you know, just letting things go for maybe, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's 75 minutes of our day. So it is difficult to be still. And it's funny because, um, a different type of a story, but kind of similar to what you were um, describing with this family. Um, I'll tell you a story if you don't mind. Of course not. Okay. So, um, about three years ago, I started teaching at the place that I'm still teaching at today, the zoo health club in North Palm beach. And it is one of my favorite places to be. It's a beautiful, uh, gym. We, they offer, um, yoga, Pilates, spin, uh, there's personal trainers on site. Um, but regardless of that, I had come in and they asked me to take over a class for um, private school teachers uh, for two days a week. And I said, yeah, of course, let me try it, you know. And um, so I came in one of the first days and I taught this amazing group of people who obviously I still work with today. And um, I came in and I taught them what my background was at the time, which was a vinyasa flow. It was gentle. I went slow and I finished. Everybody was like, thank you. That was great. And this one student came to me and she goes, I can't do that. (laughs) You know, she's like, if you're going to be here and you're going to teach us, like, I can't do that. And I was like, at first, you know, I was taken back because I was a little green at the time. I was like, oh, okay, you know, why, you know, she's got injuries and stuff. And I felt bad, you know, I felt like it was like a dig toward me at the beginning. And um, I, I shortly realized after that, um, it was like the greatest thing she could have ever said to me because it, hmm. slow, it slowed me down so much. And shortly after that, I got certified in yin and restorative, um, maybe a year later or yeah two years later, but it was, it was amazing because something that somebody says to you initially, how you take it, you know, you sit back and you think about it and you're like, wow, that actually was, um, necessary to hear. So long story short, that student still comes to me every, uh, Tuesday and Thursday when I'm there and she's amazing. Everybody that I, uh, guide practice for is amazing, but she, um, really enlightened me as to like, we don't have to move so fast, you know? And I was that person at one point that would move fast and want to work out. And uh, now it's like yin is like my favorite practice. It's so ironic how things work, how we change and, and, and evolve. I think if someone is new to yoga and they're used to working out, they probably want to move a little bit faster. 
And then when you've gone through a couple of classes or so, you can understand how holding a pose for longer breaths might be more of a challenge or a little bit more difficult. And, you know, I could see athletes coming in and wanting that go, 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 go kind of momentum that you can get from like a power flow or something. For sure. Um, so tell me how it's been as a full-time yoga teacher. I know that um, it's not always easy as um, a teacher building a class, building a following, or just hustling. Like, we have to hustle. It's a hustle. I know it's yoga, but still, there's a hustle. You have to, you know, teach so many classes to stay afloat. And You know, sometimes, unfortunately, even in the yoga community, we're not necessarily nice to one another. How's your experience been? So, um, like I had mentioned earlier, when I first got certified, a lot of people were saying to me, how are you going to be a full-time yoga teacher? You know, how is that even possible? I said, you know, I'm going to work at it and I'm going to make it possible because it's what I want. And um, I think if you have a dream in your life and it's something that you want to fulfill and you intend to fulfill, you know, nothing will stop you. Nothing really could stop somebody with a dream and with a purpose. Um, So it has been quite the ride. I am grateful for every moment. Um, Like you said, it's definitely a hustle. I mean, sometimes by like the end of the week, I'm like dizzy with like, where I'm going, where I've been, who I'm meeting, who I'm, who I'm chatting with, who I'm teaching. Um, so it definitely is a hustle and it's a lot of hard work, but I am fully dedicated to it because I love what I do. And I feel that eventually it does make a difference in people's lives. And I think that is so fulfilling to me on so many levels. Like you said, it fills you up. Um, and it fills me up. And sometimes it's, it's very difficult, um, you know, commuting to all different areas, um, you know, just be, being on the go. And I think a lot of people who maybe have a nine-to-five job, right, um, can't, can't or don't or won't really understand somebody like me or somebody like us who has the type of occupation where our hours are more, you know, before people go to work or after people go to work or during their lunchtime or on the weekends, you know, so sometimes I make time for other things in between um, to gain inspiration for my classes. Like I'll stop by, you know, the beach on, on a day where I have a gap between, between classes and I'm doing that for a reason. And some people may look at it like, oh, she has so much time, you know, to to do these things. Wow. I wish I had that. But um, everybody's life is different. Everybody's purpose is different. And um, it is difficult sometimes. But it is wonderful difficulty that I've ever had to to, um, experience. So it is fulfilling and wonderful. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I can just hear from your voice how inspiring you must be as a teacher. Oh, thank you. I try. I really do try. And, you know, sometimes, like, even for this interview, um, I, I said to myself, 
you know, I was like sitting last night. I'm like thinking like, oh my God, what am I going to say? Like, what is she going to ask me? You know, what am I going to talk about? Is everything going to sound perfect? And sometimes I'll do that for my classes too. I'm going to be like, okay, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? And then it's so funny because I never end up following what I plan to say or what I plan to do because it comes from my heart. You know, I can't help but to be authentic and be who I am. And if things don't sound perfect, that's okay. We're not, we're born to be real, not perfect. Oh, agreed. (laughs) Yes, totally. Agreed. We're not all the, you know, yoga journal cover models in the perfect pose. Um, I, you know, I've always found... I try to prepare really well for a class and early on I found that I would trip up and then I feel like the class was ruined as a teacher on the outside. It's like, it's yoga. They don't know the difference. They don't know that, you know, you did the same side twice or something like that, or, you know, you messed up, you know, sun salute B. I think people generally won't necessarily know that. And so I kind of gave that up and, I find my prayer always like I clean the space. I clean the room energetically with incense and my prayers. Sage. Yeah. Yeah. Let it, let it come from, from a place. And there's times where quite often after class, what was it that you said? And I said, I don't know. I really don't know what I said because it comes from somewhere so much more deep. I always ask to be guided and let, and let that message come through. And the more that you, I feel, the more that you rely on being authentic from your heart and really connecting with yourself, you give what people are needing in that day, in that moment. It's yeah, kind absolutely. of amazing how that happens. Yeah. And you know what? I feel like um, we learn to adapt and grow and we teach to the bodies in front of us and create a safe space for people to feel what they feel. That's so true. Yeah. That is so well put and so true because we could have the greatest flow uh, planned out, but if we have people who aren't physically able to do that, then we're not serving them if we continue with that plan and not adapt to what they're physically able to do. I find that happens sometimes too. Yeah, absolutely. And I've learned so much from the people that come to me with injuries, with ailments, with addiction, with whatever it may be. Um, Because we all have something. We literally all have something, whether it's an injury or whether it's past trauma, whether it's a current um, misfortune, whatever it is. And I feel like especially the people that have come to me with an injury um, I've learned so much from, and sometimes I'll be sitting there and I'll look around the room, you know, maybe not directly at the people in front of me, but just, um, feel this energy of like these, you know, I feel like we learn almost more from the people that come to us sometimes than we teach them almost, you know, it's funny because it's like the irony, um, of how we learn from who comes to us. Well, the flexibility has to be in place as well. You know, you can't be so rigid and thinking, well, today my class is going to go like this. 
and the people in that show up for your class aren't prepared for that, then there has to be a level of flexibility as a teacher to adapt to give them exactly what they're needing. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel that that's how you really um, engage with people. And I really have grown to like, to love the people that I work with. I mean, I've been seeing these people consistently for three years, you know, a few times a week. And it's just magical to watch these people grow and feel and be in that's space. a committed relationship right there it is it is and that's great I mean I'm all about you know commitment if you're if you're in that space but um it's just so great because I walk in and I actually just said at the end of the of of practice the other day I was like I love you guys and it's the truth because I do you know I really um think that it's so amazing for a group of people to be able to connect in that way. And it's far past a teacher student relationship. It's just people connecting as human beings and sharing energy and time. In a positive, in a positive light. Correct. Yeah. I totally see it. I think I might have to drive up to Palm beach to take one of your classes, Ashley. I would love to have you. I love I I love the fact how you're so willing and happy to play along with my little podcast and I want to be able to share with as much as many yoga teachers and as many different styles that are out there and inspire other people to take a class, become a teacher, explore different styles. I mean, I think that's pretty much what the monocles is about so i'm very 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 much appreciate your time today sharing your story your energy i really really value that so thank you so much thank you so much i really appreciate you having me and i i like i had said to you earlier when we spoke um i had seen that you were looking for people to interview and like immediately captured my attention because I thought that it was just so um, so amazing that you were extending yourself in that way for people to have the opportunity and the chance to talk to um, you know give the world insight of what they're doing and I think that that's just really a, a beautiful um, effort that you're putting in. And I think it's really amazing. And I am grateful for you and to have connected with you. And I think that that's what yoga does. We connect with people that we're meant to be connected with. And I greatly appreciate your time and your effort. And oh, all- it's my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. <laughs> and don't forget, here's a good spot where you can um, share where people can connect with you either your website or an email address that you'd like to share. If anyone wants to reach out or come to one of your classes, how would they be able to find you? Yes. Great. So um, I started for this new year, a newsletter that I send out to my solid following. And that is something that I send out once a month. I started that, like I said, for the new year. Uh, my email address, if people are interested in receiving that, it is Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, Brooke, B-R-O-O-K-E, 
810 at yahoo.com. And I have a Facebook page, my business Facebook page, Yoga with Ashley Brooke. Brooke is my middle name. Um, and I'm also on Instagram. People can follow me. It's one Ashley Eisenberg, which is my last name. And I am more than happy to receive communication through email. And I love to connect with um, everybody, other yoga teachers, um, people that want to do events. I'm teaching at Yoga Fun Day in Hallandale Beach, which is actually close to you. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have to talk about that. But um, that is coming up. (laughs) That's coming up at the end of March. Um, I'm a part of it for the second year. This will be my third time teaching because the founder of this event extended um, from Delray to Hallandale Beach. So there's another festival. I taught at the one in Delray uh, the end of last year. So it's a really fun festival. I was a part of the Yoga Expo, um, which passed uh, when was that? In January. January. Right. Yeah. So um, I'm more than happy to connect with anybody that wants to connect. I offer private practices that are customized um, to people who are interested. And um, yeah, definitely. I'd love to connect in any type of way. Beautiful. Ashley, thank you so much. I really enjoyed Thank you so chat. much. I love how much you've shared the part of you that you've shared and how you really have inspired. I'm like, wow, I I really have to get off of my tuchus to get into some of these events. I just don't plan ahead (laughs) like that. No, I'm a little bit more shy. I'll stay behind the scenes and I'll just stay in the podcast for now. (laughs) Oh, well, maybe I'll get you to come to a festival with me or, or something with me sometime soon. I would love that. Um, but thank you again so much and we can karaoke (laughs) oh yeah we're gonna have to get you to do that I haven't done it actually in a while myself so I would like to please do promise me you'll force me to go yeah I will I'm gonna have to Uh, thank you so much Ashley it was such a pleasure and a joy to speak with you today I really appreciate you Thank you. And I really appreciate you. I'm so grateful for our connection and um, I'm grateful for yoga and I'm grateful for the opportunities that it brings me. And I hope to just keep on, keep it on. And, um, you know, Good girl. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Peace, love, you all well. the good things. Namaste. My Namaste. Dear. Take care. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Hello and welcome to the Monocles, the very first episode of 2020. Woo woo! Except I waited until February to get started. I know, sometimes it takes us a little bit to regroup and keep moving. But I'm so excited to be able to share another year of podcasts where we talk about yoga and aqua yoga and all sorts of other modalities for healing to make a better you. You are fantastic. Now just get better at who we are. Why? Because we can. 
So maybe you've decided, like so many people, so much in America, so many people in the world, to take the beginning of the year as a way to begin a new routine, get healthier, eat healthier, move a little bit more. And maybe yoga is part of that action plan that you have. I recently started a 30-day plank challenge. In fact, today we're in day eight of the plank challenge. I love plank because you don't need equipment. You can do it anywhere. And it's so effective using all of the muscle groups in the body. Um, so if you'd like to get a copy of what that plan is like, or you're not really sure if you're doing plank correctly, reach out to me. I'm happy to share. I had two of my very favorite yoga mats Someone helped themselves to them from my car. I have a good sensation it was a homeless person in downtown Miami who needed them very badly. They helped them themselves to my two yoga mats that were in my car. And it took me a while to replace the yoga mats because there's so many out there. And yoga doesn't take much equipment, but you do need the right equipment. So your yoga mat is so important to you. It's so personal, right? You stand on it, you use it, you don't want it to slip. It's so tempting to go and buy a $20 yoga mat at Ross or Marshall's because it's such a low investment. And I, being that there's so many yoga mats out there and some of them like cost like a car payment, like they're not cheap. I recently... Well, not so recently, placed um, a post on social media in a group based on only yoga teachers from the Connected Yoga Teacher podcast, a fabulous podcast. If you haven't heard it and um, you're interested in yoga, I totally recommend it. And it's just a lot of yoga teachers sharing. And um, I posted, what's your favorite yoga mat? And I was just astounded at the number of responses and how many people had such strong opinions about the yoga mat that they use. I, at the end, ended up going with a Manduka yoga mat. I might have made a mistake because I went with an ultralight and it's very, very thin. Um, and I have weak knees, so I have added another mat to it so i have two mats once again a friend of mine was very generous in sharing and giving me one of their old mats and um, my manduka mat has this very very little give to it so i sweat a lot i'm someone who sweats a lot i'm someone who needs to doesn't that sound yummy i sweat a lot no but when i do yoga i tend to sweat a lot and so I like a firm grip on the mat, something that's very, very important. Um, so if you're new to yoga or you've been doing yoga for a little bit and you want to up your game, I would definitely recommend researching and trying and finding the correct yoga mat for you. It's the only real um, 
equipment that we need. It's not like hockey where you need all this equipment or even tennis where it's the shoes and the racket and of course the outfit. I mean, don't even get me started on the yoga pants, but your yoga mat, um, even though it's new, I would say this, this century, because I don't think 4,000 years ago they were using yoga mats. In fact, I know that they weren't. But a yoga mat is very important. You want to have a mat that is sufficiently stable for you so you're not slipping, so you feel a lot more confident in your poses. And there are yoga towels that will cover the mat, specially produced yoga towels that stop... Um, they absorb the sweat, yummy sweat again, but they will also provide a, sub, um, a surface where it's not so slippery. So you want to feel safe and you want to feel secure and you want to feel like um, you can do anything because yoga promotes that. But you want to feel that you have a substance, you have a surface in which you are stable. And for me, safety is number one. I'm not going to say the mat that I got is the best one. So far, I'm very, very happy with it. But I was also very, very happy with my Lululemon mat that was lost in my parking in downtown Miami by a homeless person who helped themselves to what was inside of my car. There's karma for you. It's okay. I let it go. They needed it more than me. And I know that someone, whoever took that, is now sleeping comfortably or a lot more comfortably. There's different thicknesses to the mats. There's different styles. I'm not saying that the yoga mat that you choose needs to be the price of a car payment. But I am saying that you should investigate and maybe not necessarily go with the cheapest one because especially if you're starting out, it may not um, promote a healthy yoga practice for you. If you're always afraid of falling or slipping, that's not the mat for you. But I'm so happy that you're trying yoga. I'm excited to be able to share the different styles of yoga, different modalities that we have that are available to us to heal, to feel better, to be better. That's what the monocles is about. So thank you for listening and thank you for playing along in this podcast. Definitely send me a question. You can email it or go to the anchor.fm um, app and record your question. I'd be more than happy. In fact, I would be so thrilled to answer your question online, on the air. Yay! Podcast. Woo! Yoga. Go.